I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more question you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents. Episode number 14, coming at you live. Um, emphasis on number 14, we skipped episode 13 because we're not about the bad juju. We're not about it. Yeah, I forgot we were going to do that. <laughs> we yeah. skipped straight on to Troy Bolton. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Wait, what? <laughs> it's his jersey number. Did, did Is it 14? Really? Yeah. Listen, oh, look at you. It's a, you think it's a lucky we, podcast, you guys. You think that we know this about Troy Bolton? I wouldn't have guessed we on chose any it just other for you, episode. Emma. A thing or two about yeah. Troy Bolton, though. Well, High School Musical, just so everybody knows, it was actually filmed in Utah. I know at the beginning, it pisses me off in all honesty that they didn't just, <laughs> like, they film it in Utah, and at the beginning it says, somewhere in New Mexico. You're like, well, first off, nothing <laughs> happens in New Mexico. <laughs> Not that much happens in Utah. They needed something to happen in New Mexico, so that's why they filmed it somewhere in New Mexico. <laughs> I was so irate. I was like, wait, what? I said, that's East High School. That's in Salt Lake City. I played basketball there. I was real life. You were Troy. I was boy Trollton. Boy Trollton. Except when you watch, no offense to my boy Zach, when you watch. Humble <laughs> beginnings. Well, he got Humble a bro- he's beginnings. got a broke jump shot is what I'm getting to. <laughs> you think they'd choose actors that actually play. When's the last play? time you danced, sing, and threw a hoop? How do Listen. you say it? Yes. Shot a basket? Through a hoop. <laughs> Guys, she's throwing hoops to the basket. Homeschool, my friend. You're friends. the only other person other than uh, a hoop? other than Mallory that I've ever heard <laughs> say throw a hoop. I don't know. Oh no! And uh, Meals said throw a hoop. <laughs> she did. I heard her. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I joined an elite class of women today. <laughs> throw a hoop. You're welcome. Um, sorry, everybody, getting a little distracted. But on the reels. Emma did join an elite class of women today because Emma is actually the very first woman on the podcast. And that is not by design. I'm going to emphasize that real loud. It has just worked out that way where, like, every week we just happen to have a guy and we've been referred to by other guys. And, we, you know, that's just the way that it's worked out. But me, knowing that there's a whole audience out there that is prepping for us, I said, let me bring on one of the best and coolest women that I know, Emma Peaster. Let's give her a little round of applause. <laughs> Beautiful golf. We clap. don't want to blow Levi's ears yeah. to shreds. Levi's right listening. You got the headphones plugged in. And Clap too hard, he will shoot us or something. Hayden already blew into the microphone. <laughs> he'll quit. Microphone. Even worse. He'll, qu- he'll quit. Oh, if he quit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We could take a shot. We couldn't take him quitting. <laughs> I'd, qu- I'd quit. You know what I mean? I'd quit. Just he kidding. Shoots, Life he, goes on. He can shoot me in the leg. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's a charity shot. <laughs> Literally. you like, take it. I'll take an arrow to the knee. <laughs> Dope. Um, everybody, last week's episode was awesome. I hope you're able to listen to our man, Jordan Headshot Peterson. Literally one of the coolest, manliest, dopest stories I've ever heard. Incredible. Made me feel like just a little boy. <laughs> Except, comparison. Do you remember when he said he's like, yeah, you know, I did some, jumped out of planes and had parachutes, didn't deploy and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and we kind of looked at each other and then I'm like, you just kept going. We're like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? You're just going to nonchalantly die. Yeah, some parachutes didn't open sometime. What? Anyways, let's what? get back to the dolphins that helped <laughs> yeah. us find bombs. Like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that dude's insane, man. That dude is Awesome. Oh, I loved meeting with him. Oh, so cool. So cool. Great so, you guys are make me want to actually listen to your podcast. Oh, mercy on you. Wait, you're telling me. I don't listen to it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, we're going to end the episode today, ladies and gents. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Until next time with a better woman. <laughs> um, so, that was awesome. Last week was really good. Um, coming up in the near future, yesterday, me and Hayden were out and about with one of my favorite dudes um, named Loss. That's actually his Instagram handle is literally named Loss. <laughs> um, Loss, he is a videographer and he does professional commercials and things for different companies. And so he filmed a video for Hayden and I yesterday that isn't released yet, but he's going to be working on it. Super sick, really pumped up about it. Um, it's pretty much just a promo of what we do, what Life Must Go On is, and uh, kind of who me and Hayden are. So. 
You'll see that in just a little bit. It's really exciting. Really super dope. Super exciting. Um, super, super cool. So just stay prepped. Next week, going to be hype. Stay tuned. We'll hype you up about it in just a little bit. Um, as far as anything cool, I think that's all we have. And so once again, we'd like to introduce Emma Peaster. She's joining us on the podcast today. Uh, we have all kinds of questions for her. She has a very unique background, and I'm actually just going to have her explain it today because, I, I mean, we're, we live across the street from each other. We're not, you know, it's not like she's a distant person. <laughs> and so I'm just going to have her explain um, kind of herself, her background a little bit, and maybe your kind of schooling stuff, what you did, yada, yada, childhood, all that. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Ladies first. Sorry. Should yeah. said that. Uh, no. Please. There's yeah. only one of us. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I grew up in a small town called Woodburn, Oregon. It's a farming town, ag town. It's 80% Latin population, 10% Russian, 10% white. 10% Russian? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, yep. <laughs> when, uh, during the Stalin years, a bunch of people migrated over to really? Oregon. Of all places. Of all places. <laughs> the jewel of America. And, uh, sorry... <sighs> The United States. Sorry about that, Hayden. It's okay. I forgive <laughs> you. Hard to have a Canadian with us. Um, anyway. Hey, hey, hey. shut up. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm feeling so. self-conscious now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so grew up in a small town. I'm the youngest of a few kids. I am... Yeah, I'm 27 right now, so in the past 27 years, I went to school, went to homeschool since kindergarten through eighth grade. Our mom decided we should, like, learn how to socialize in Might normal, non-church spaces, and so Helps. we went to high school, and high school was fun. High school was weird and wacky. Everyone thinks that homeschool is weird and wacky. High school is, like... <laughs> Wait, hold up. You are homeschooled up until high school? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so I thought the coolest thing I'd ever seen were lockers. Wow. <laughs> so I got someone taught me one day to open up a locker without the combination. Yeah. What do you What do you do? <laughs> it's oh, my you... mom. One second. She gets hey, a phone call from her mom. Hello. What are you doing? Oh, I'm with Monster and Hayden. I'm gonna give you a call back. We're uh, doing their podcast. <laughs> Oh, no, I did, and that's why I answered, because I was so thrilled, because you're, <laughs> you're the second woman now on this podcast, Wow, Mom. number two woman. Yep. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> no. every good sense of the word. Mm-hmm. We love you, Mama Peaster, and we're glad that you've allowed <laughs> us to have your daughter on our podcast. Oh, oh, well, she's a wealth of information, so I wouldn't surprise me. Any question you ask her, she'd have a great answer. <laughs> We sure hope Thanks, so. Mom. We sure hope so, because we got some big questions today. <laughs> oh, yes, well, that's super. She'll be able to say all kinds of things on the fly. <laughs> hey, I'm going to give you a call back afterwards. Is that okay? Love you, bye. Hey, super love you. Bye. <laughs> what a sweet lady. Oh, and then my sister-in-law called. I'll save that for later. Yeah, you tell so. your sister-in-law <laughs> back on. Okay, we can't have three women at one time. Too much for <laughs> three women to handle. Then they will think animal. something's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. Oh, anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, I was high schooled, high schooled, um, and then, yeah, I went to BYU. So, funny story, um, I did not have the grades to get into BYU, and so... You paid them. Close. Um, Unfortunately, my, well, it's like nature paid them or something like that, but my school burnt down. Oh. My high school burnt down uh, my junior year of high school, and uh, my part of the school was pretty badly damaged to the point that none of our grades were in existence. So the last no grade way. we had was our grade. So it was all these IB wow. AP classes that I was in that I got the pre-finals oh, no way. grades, and so my GPA was excellent for BYU because of a very unfortunate fire. No one was harmed Love in the it. making no of that way. fire. Yeah, so but, you got um, in school because your school grades yeah, got burned down. Yeah, because my school burnt down. And so two weeks before the end of the year, the school, a third of the school burnt down. And so, yeah, um, wow. got into BYU. And the reason yeah. I wanted to go to BYU was to play rugby. Um, Dope. I love rugby so played my freshman year on the it wasn't the BYU team back then they were still club yeah 
So the Cougar Rugby was called the Cougar Rugby. Non-affiliate BYU. Non-affiliate. Yeah. The, uh, non-affiliate. Yeah. So played uh, for a year. I was a blood sub for the first semester, which means if someone's bleeding, you go in because you can't bleed while you're playing rugby. Of course. And then I became an awesome water girl, and I'd go to Sonic, and I'd get the pebble ice, and I'd ride my bicycle with my little pinwheel nice. <laughs> to practice with all the Gatorade bottles stacked up. No way. It was great. Wait, it was actually, great. Yeah. I can just see you now. Yeah, my red bicycle. It didn't. The brakes didn't work in the rain, and it was raining pretty frequently, and, <laughs> and I didn't have snowshoes that year either, and it snowed pretty hard in Provo, and so I had uh, golf shoes. Oh, good. So I'd wear my golf shoes because there were cleats wow. on the bottom. Yeah, nice. they, got the, they got the little spikes. So sure. I was, and I wore one outfit my entire year. And I didn't really get the concept of laundry because <laughs> I was always washing my uniform. And so I was like, I'm not even in my day clothes that frequently. Right. And so I'd wear the these sweatpants I had, my uh, rugby sweatshirt. And then I'd wear the same white T-shirt four days in a row, but I'd wear it frontwards, backwards, inside out, and then right side out. And I'd call it four times, and then I'd I wash it. it. Yeah, I was quite an efficient freshman. So, yeah. <laughs> then I went on my uh, church mission to Moscow, Russia. I was there for 18 months. Pushalsta. Did you serve in Russia? I, 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 I do what I can. I might as well be sitting next to a native. That <laughs> accent, Monson, was flawless. Flawless. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I came back from there, worked at a nursery in my hometown for about four months. Hardest job I have ever had. Really? My respect goes out to all nursery workers everywhere, or anyone that does hard labor, honestly. It was exhausting. Sounds very fun. Um, I was proposed to while I was at the nursery. That's no way. Even more yeah, fun. the man that brought me tamales every single day, he proposed to me. Dude, what a guy. Is his yeah. name Manuel. No, but it was over 60. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. So his name was probably like Wilford or something. <laughs> if he's over 60, probably Wilford or like a Bertram. Walter. Walter. Um, yeah, so. Uh, he literally proposed to you. Um, he, I mean. In the least, like, knee-down kind of way, but yeah. he brought me, like, my usual of tamales. Uh, they stopped after I said no, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he brought me my tamales and talked about what it would be like to be For my wife. For all you know, you've ruined his whole life. <laughs> I I still am feeling some repercussions. I could be married by now. <laughs> to think I'm still single because I said no when I was 20 is haunts me. Haunts me to more than any. To a 60-plus-year-old yeah. man. You had but a sugar life daddy. must go on. Life, life must, must go, go on. on. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yep. That's the funniest thing I've yeah. ever heard. So yeah, I uh, worked in the nursery, went to BYU for three years, changed my major multiple times, uh, then kind of ran into some tough spots and decided to clean up my lifestyle and go up to uh, BYU-Idaho and hated BYU-Idaho for at least three solid weeks. I imagine. And then I fell in love oh. with Rexburg itself. <laughs> oh, and that's even yeah. more shocking, believe yeah. it or not. I heard they like put a spell on you. And I I drank the Kool-Aid oh, and man. probably a gallon of it all of one day, and I just decided I was going to love Rexburg, and I did, and I'd, I'd love to go back. If you guys if aren't they... familiar with Rexburg, you can Google it. You'll get like 10 searches, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> 10 results, and nine of them will be the potato fields around Rexburg. <laughs> yeah. And they are flawless fields. Jeez. If you're looking for peace, if you're looking for great stars, it's the Rexburg <laughs> potato fields. Isn't that so yeah. cool? Um, yeah, best people are in Rexburg, I'm convinced. I um, love it. And then I love it. Provo's great, too. Provo's great, <laughs> yeah, too. No, but no, Rexburg no, no, is. No, please, please. The you. second jewel of America. Um, oh. The United States. Anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, came back from, uh, graduated BYU-Idaho in international studies. Um, then came down back to Provo to do my master's in social work and just graduated with my master's in social work. I worked at the prison. I worked with uh, family services and, yeah, did the whole range of therapy from couples to individual to severely persistently mentally ill, yeah. which is the acronym but spimmy. Spimmy. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, that's that's kind of my story. And now I work part-time. I will be leaving in the fall again. Where to? Going to Dublin. Just to Dublin. Because? Just because. It's cheaper to live over there right now than pay rent in yeah, Provo. So you're going to go there and live there? <laughs> uh, just for the fall. 
Do you know where you're gonna work? There? No, I won't. I won't work there. I, I mean, I save up my money. Gotcha. I live usually on about twenty dollars a day. It's not bad at all. When I'm in Europe, so a hostel costs around ten dollars, especially if you go to Croatia. So I'm planning on heading over to Croatia because they've, it's, like the least expensive country in Europe. Cool. Huh. So yeah, that's the. That's the economic plan. Dang. Yeah. That's wow. Hmm. The only thing I know about Dublin is that there's only one Conor McGregor. And there's no fight about it. And he's going to knock out Floyd Mayweather. So, Floyd, watch out. <laughs> Sorry, that's a great Conor McGregor song. It might be the, one of the things I don't know about Dublin. So you don't know about like, Conor McGregor? I, I don't. You'll get I, into it. I'll he, like, get there. the highest paid athlete uh, Yeah, he, well, he was for a while, yeah. yeah. What did he play? MMA play. You don't play MMA. Okay. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't. You know. You don't just go play and fight people. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah, but that's my life. Dope. I I love it. That's, that's so, it. That's so unique. Yeah. It's, we know everything about her. Yes. Yeah, I real. honestly cut Levi because I'm. That's pretty much all. Good. That's that's the extent. Yeah, I was getting bored. So no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, 15, good thing, good thing someone else is coming on for 15. I was actually yeah. getting rather excited um, and intrigued. I've known you for a while, but I don't know any of that stuff. Oh. I don't know none of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about real quick, you don't have to get too in-depth depending on what it is, but just real quick to touch up, I think this experience in Idaho sounds so intriguing to me. Because mm. um, you get there, you're there for a few weeks, you hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to school up in Rexburg. When was it? Was it cold the first uh, couple of weeks? Yeah, I arrived January. Of oh, tw- yeah, I dropped yeah. out of BYU. Um, not because of grades, but I did get my first two C's of college, and that was a little bit of a wake-up call that I didn't like school. Oh, yeah. Not that you have to like school to get good grades, but I sure didn't like school, and I sure didn't get good grades. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. Good little causation, Kinda correlation. Kind of yeah. 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 No, Peace in a pod. So I... Yeah, uh, messed life up as far as school goes mm. down in Provo and just realized this wasn't the space for me. And so I dropped out. I took a gap semester, and I a recurring pattern through my life whenever I'm um, transitioning, mm. I usually go abroad, and then I'll save up all my money. I'm, I'm not a spender, yeah, and so I'll just accumulate, and then I'll waste it all on... On a little trip. Twenty dollars a day with oats and milk is usually what I eat when I go abroad. Oh my word! Yeah. Anyway, it's the cheapest two things. Okay. All that to rice say, and beans, though. hard to find beans. Really? <laughs> At least for me. Dang, that's like. Lame. Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't I mean, been to these is random available, countries but for sure. I still don't know how to cook rice. It's kind of a pain if you don't uh, have a rice cooker. And like I've heard the mm-hmm. knuckle theory that it's like if it's like you put it in and there's like it's up to your first knuckle, but I can never remember if it's the first one or the second one. <laughs> you just guess. And you then know, like you, you somewhere in there you boil it. I just boil it and if there's too it. much water, I just put a plate over it and drip the water out. Uh, and see, Once you know more than I do. Ah, you see can that? You can see I that? ask hey. you some questions? So what's like your process? So with cooking, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I actually hate cooking. I hate cooking. Well, Good I love to cook, but we just didn't grow up eating rice. Oh, really? We had a rice cooker. Uh, so that's... You see? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the trick. Nice. Yeah, with chicken bouillon. We'll get, wow. you, we'll get you a rice cooker as a gift. Yeah, thank you. It'll say I expect LMGO one. on the side. And it'll say Desert Industries on the other side. <laughs> and have a $2 masking tape. <laughs> I'll try to yeah. scratch it off, but it'll yeah. be stuck on We're on, on budget, folks. We're on budget. No, uh, sorry. What did you no, ask? Good. Yeah. So when you're in Idaho, like, I just kind of want to figure out a little bit more of how you work. So just a little background on my vision of Emma. Emma's like one of the most outgoing people I know, but also one of the most mm-hmm. unique people I know. Mm-hmm. She's unlike anybody I've ever met. Um, and that goes in all ways. Like, it just, it's just like she's just very unique. And it's all good things. All good things. It, it can be bad things, too. I'm not all bad that. things, actually. There it is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Truth comes out. No, like, really, like, one of the most unique people I've ever met as far as, like, for example, just, I mean, the whole, just put piecing it together, $20 a day, eating oats and milk mm-hmm. in random countries. Like, I don't. No one can do that. Yeah, not, no, that's not a thing. You know what I mean? No one who's lived the American life can go and do that. I was going to say, there's the, <laughs> that's that's the, kicker. the kicker. Yeah, It's true. It's true. And so all that stuff is different. So I really just kind of, that's my background of knowing Emma. It's just like everything she does is really unique. Um, and so when we, me and Hayden talked about having Emma on the podcast, we kind of wanted to dive in a little bit with Emma earlier in her life 
suffered more from depression, anxiety. Um, and then as of recent, as you heard what she said, she's kind of switched gears and has been on the opposite side of it as well, where it's been like she's done now social work with mm -hmm. people and she's done, um, she worked at the prison and worked with, uh, what was that acronym? Severely, SPIMI. SPIMI. I won't Severely make you go through it again. Persistently. Persistently. Mentally. Mentally Ill. Ill. There it is. SPIMI. Okay. So she worked with SPIMI and stuff. And so, I don't know, this experience with school and then going to Idaho, was that kind of the flip for you when it came to those things? Uh, the flip, um, I should just like preface really quick. Yeah. The start for me was my mission. Um, mm -hmm. My history of any kind of depression or anxiety was pretty, uh, the catalyst was my mission. Yeah. And I just come off of a dream season of rugby um, I was obsessed with it. I couldn't wait to get on my mission and get off my mission so I could go back to rugby. Right. My mission was more of an interruption hmm. than an intention. Everyone in my family had served church missions, and so they are like, Emma, you're the last one. Like, you go on a mission. And I planned to. It wasn't even pressure. It was just I planned to. Yeah. And then I was um, had a hard time uh, just even from the start. And it went ups and downs and ups and downs, but um, they call it uh, seasonal depression. Yeah. And I went through a pretty long season, it felt like, and I became really familiar with, I won't say the darker side of life, but the darker side of thoughts. Hmm. And the side of thoughts that are desperate to n feel relief mm -hmm. and desperate to feel calm again hmm. and that happened on my mission I, I remember I that was the first time I ever was introduced to therapy they had wow. a mission therapist and um, he'd call and I remember I'd go out on the swing set so just in our in Russia the way all the building uh, a lot of the buildings are built are there from the communist era so they're huge skyscraper apartment buildings basically yeah. and in the middle there's always a playground yeah but it's like the same exact playground You've got the swings, you got the monkey bars, you got, anyway, but they're now super old. Mm -hmm. And I was just on one of those swing sets and I remember talking to the mission counselor and um, he was pretty direct with me and said he was like, you, something needs to change. Mm -hmm. And that's either medication, that's either coming home from your mission. And I have, uh, even though my master's is in social work, none of these opinions are from that program. These are all from personal experience. This is not me dissing on medication in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, but I will say he went home. That therapist, his mission ended, and a new one was called, and she changed my life. Mm. And it was from her that was the catalyst to the way I think now. Mm. And the way I pretty constantly think. It's not my natural um, MO. It's the one I have to consistently fight to have. And she introduced me to growth mindset. And that changed everything for me, that you are not set in one way. Mm. That a growth mindset, I mean, it's positive psychology is the, totally. uh, the basis of it. But the moment I heard that I did not have to be cornered into one treatment or another, but I could, because of me and my situation, only me and my situation, could I choose to change that? That changed everything. Mm. That changed everything. So um, with Rexburg, going back to Rexburg, um, I... Rexburg was post-mission. Rexburg was yes. three years post-mission. Okay. And I had just kind of hit a little bit of a... It, isn't it interesting how you think one rock bottom is rock bottom, and then like five years later you're like, <laughs> that was... Uh, that was a cloud. Yeah. That was cloud nine. Like, compared I was still to, up in the air compared yeah. to what's going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's interesting how the floor just gets... Deeper. Lower and lower, but the good gets better and better. The ceiling gets higher and higher for me. Um, so I went to Rexburg, and I remember I didn't have a car then. I showed up on the Salt Lake Express at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's better than Yeah, morning. and it was January. It was January, I think, 17th. And I showed up, and it was – I'd served in Russia, and I'd never been so cold. Yeah, it was like Idaho's so it, cold. 
it was frigid and the wind the wind is what gets you the wind's what yeah, yeah exactly and i was like wind. i've Easy. made a huge mistake because i'm getting off the bus with my two bags and i'm like what have i done <laughs> and i remember oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah the bus stop was right across from my apartment so i get him to my apartment I was desperate not to make friends because I didn't want to be permanent there. <laughs> and so I like avoided people. I, I avoided so hard. They were like, Hey Emma, wanna go to devotional? It was like you know, that yeah. uh when people are trying to be your friend and you're like, Hey, I hate everything about here. You <laughs> happen to be here. So that includes you. And um I just I was so angry. I was so mad at my lot, at my life, and other things contributed to it, but mm. um Rexburg was kind of my pivot point that I was like, okay, this is where I'm gonna turn things around, but I, I hated it. And I remember I was in um Walmart and Rexburg, something special about Rexburg is they have what's called the Walmart bus. Mm. And it's for students like me who don't have a car and they can't, they can't have Walmart. Rex, the city of Rexburg didn't allow Walmart to be built within its perimeter because it didn't want Walmart in its space. So it's built right across the perimeter. <laughs> and they were like, well, how are we going to get students there? And Walmart's like, we'll just have a bus. And oh, the bus goes go. all day long. Some people use it as public transport and yeah. you get on the bus and I do it just for fun. Yeah. Something to do because I had nothing to do. Um, that's how BYU-Idaho. <laughs> yeah, and BYU-Idaho was easier than Provo. Um, yeah. Hate to say it, but uh, it was majority homework and I had nothing to do. I had no friends. I had my cousin who was wonderful and desperate to make me happy and I just didn't want to be. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know anyone except my cousin three doors down. Um, <laughs> I'm choosing sadness. So I don't even want to hang out yeah. with my cousin. Shit. I was like, Goob from Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> they, like, all good. they all hated me. They all hated me. Hey, Emma, you want to come hang out with us? They despise me. They all hated me. I like your binder, Goob. Anyways, so I uh, was in the Walmart aisle. It was, I always remember it was in the... I was right by all the the Mexican food, which I think was inspired because mm. I felt the most at home and happy. And my mom, I was just crying. I was just crying in Walmart. That mm. that Walmart has more salt for my tears than any other Walmart. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and so I, uh, my mom, she was like, Emma, you've just got to choose. You've just got to choose to love it. And I was like, Oh, that's the most annoying thing I've ever heard. I was so angry. You don't get you it. You don't understand. I'm in a sad place. Hell. Exactly. <laughs> Let me be sad. Let me be sad. <laughs> Let me weep. Mm. And so um, that the next day I was going through the BYU-Idaho library, and there was this girl, and she had her laptop up, and the stickers were all on the back. And I mean, I was just in a massively judgmental time in my life. And especially in Rexburg, everything, like, my judgment was on fire. And I was like, oh, my word. Ooh, how pathetic is she? She had all these stickers of Idaho, Rexburg girl, family, town of America. Like, she had, it's like she had bought out the Maverick there of every sticker that could possibly have to do with Idaho. And I was like. I hate that she has all that. I don't mm. like her. I don't like anything about this place. <laughs> and um, and th from that moment, I saw that and I was like, I, and I truly, anything good from my life is truly from God because in that moment, it was like, Emma, that needs to be you. Mm. It was so, con it was mm. a 180. Mm. It's one of the only truly 180 turns I can say I've had in my life. Yeah. I'm usually like a by degrees person. Yeah, slowly, slowly. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that was a 180 moment. And from that moment, I was like, I'm going to love Rexford. Mm. I mean, I love BYU-Idaho. And after that, it was, it kind of took probably two weeks of drinking that Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, crazy Kool-Aid. Crazy Kool-Aid. Mm. Man, blessed Kool-Aid because that was, that was a turnaround. Yeah. And I, of so many places that I've traveled, Rexburg continues, even abroad, yeah. at home. Like Rexburg is somewhere that is sacred to me because it was a turnaround spot for me. Yeah. Mm. Huh. And so now it's almost like the Rexburg mentality. Yeah. Wow. You get into a space and you're like, what? <laughs> and it's that, am I going to, am I going to drink the Kool-Aid at this place or am I going to hate it? Yeah. And I feel like that's for situations. That's for life. That's for, hmm. yeah. And it's a choice. And it's a choice. Huh. And 
if there's anything that I'm a fan of, it's choice. Totally. And that we all have it. No matter how cornered we are, we always have a choice. Yeah. Um, and I bet that was kind of like almost a bite in the butt looking back and being like, dang, my mom was totally right. <laughs> she, she, I can't think of a time that she hasn't been. Yeah. Like, I, um, she's amazing. And mm. so, yeah, it, it was quite a wake-up call. I, I needed, and I've had a lot of times in my life where I'm like, oh, I needed that wake-up call. A lot of yeah. important conversations where I've changed my degrees, but that was that was a 180 conversation of hmm. her being like, Emma, I, you just have to choose. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's so cool. In fact, I think it's like a. I'm gonna call it from now on the freaking Rexburg effect. And, uh, it, it, it's the just Rex effect. The Rex effect. <laughs> the Rex effect. Uh, the Rex effect. Um, I I just like I don't know. It's just so cool. It's such a simple place, and it's so on paper. So lame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, My family, we used to go through Idaho, and we'd all, like, have, like, this moment of silence <laughs> and hate that we'd be like, this is the worst state yeah, ever. Yeah, I feel bad yeah. for the people that live here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it's a dust bowl in the wrong space. Yes. But the rest of the state's amazing. Anyways. That's true. It's very beautiful. Idaho's I'll, beautiful. I'll stop. I don't I'll know. Stop. I, just I, can't. I drive through Idaho to get home, and, man, there's nothing. <laughs> there yeah, is. The rivers. You got to get to the rivers. The rivers are great. Fishing for days. There's this one okay. street in Rexburg that if you go down it, there are trees. No, I'm kidding. There's, this, there's this one river called, what did you say it's called? Warm Slough. The Warm, warm Slough. How the enticing. Warm slough. It is. And it, man, it's warm all year round because there's no movement to that river. I am but. the Warm Slough. But a time. Well, I wonder why it's warm then. How many people have peed in that thing? We it's can't not know. Anywhere. We cannot know. Yeah. I'll do a science experiment. Had my best canoe out. trips in that river. <laughs> the warm slough. Well, it's places like the warm class slough. The <laughs> class four. Class half. Half. Class half. Class point five rapids. Yeah, that's when it. you get in your canoe, it's like a rapid. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> The, the only wake comes <laughs> from your paddle. The only wake comes from the person in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's places like the Warm Slough that just, I don't know, the idea of it being so simple almost is what makes it profound. It's just like, it's the same thing that I've always wanted to promote via the podcast. It's just like, I'm very much, I'm just a normal dude and like I've been blessed with positivity and such, but like there's nothing crazy I've ever done that's so cool. But I, you know, I know I have things to bring to the world, and so it, it, the Rex effect is almost what life must go on kind of encapsulates, where it's like you coming from this unique background, having this unique experience on your mission, like it all led to this tiny little town, this simple little town in Rexburg, and yet in the simplest of places, in the most unlikely of places, you were able to make this big 180 turnaround and kind of have what seems like kind of a big... From what I know of you, you take everything on that way these days. You kind of, like, I'm just going to do it, and I'm just going to love it. For example, <laughs> we went, the three of us, went and watched uh, Jurassic World a couple weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's peak cinema, folks. Oh, my word. What a stupid movie. But... Uh, I- <laughs> uh, I'm no, gonna not. have to disagree. Um, <laughs> Super wow. with the wrong people. It, you're oh, right. Absolutely, that it was incredible. Was it was incredible. Yeah. And so it Emma's takes like, a village to like that movie. <laughs> we were the biggest peanut gallery that movie theaters ever oh, seen. 100 percent. So I'm amazing. chilling there watching it like. What on earth is this movie? There's giant dinosaurs, horrible CGI, lines, terrible just, CGI. Oh it's gosh. just a bunch of you know fan terrible because fan, fan it was real. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's too scary. <laughs> too intense. Scary. Too much blood. I jumped. Um, but uh, there was a few parts. I a few didn't. jumpies. A few jumpies. <laughs> Hayden didn't jump. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's mean. <laughs> you brought it up. Hey. Don't put that evil on it. Um, <laughs> but that is that is Emma, and like we watched it, and we were done, and she's laughing, and she's like, "Wasn't that just so fun?" <laughs> and I'm like, "You know what? It was fun. Like, it had was we seen it with anyone else, we would have been like, what did, why did we waste oh, our time?'" Oh, dude, yeah, me and my brother, especially, we like we'll pick movies apart, like just yeah. you know. And so <laughs> I'm watching this movie, and I'm just like the anger that boils in me. But then us watching it together and Emma having this the Rex attitude, 
T-Rex. Didn't you see how it all ties in? The Rexburg mindset and T-Rexes in Jurassic World. Full circle. Uh, full circle. It's beautiful. Cut. It's beautiful. <laughs> Let's just, can we write a book? Can we please? Um, but I don't know. It's just things like that. That experience is what kind of has made you be like that in life. Mm-hmm. How do you think that has affected your mental health? Do you think that, like, is that just a huge increase? Because, I mean, when it goes to, like, you're acting judgmental and kind of negative toward everything, that makes life kind of suck, in all honesty. Yeah. And so having this big change in freaking Idaho, how has that affected you from there going forward in life and, and your perspective and then what you eventually kind of wanted to get into with what you're doing now, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, so Idaho... Something I've learned recently, um, I graduated from BYU-Idaho in 2020, but I entered in 2017, so it's been, what, six years hmm. of Idaho influence, the Rex effect. Of the Rex effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Idaho, like I said, was a major turnaround spot for me, not just in learning how to like things that you could easily hate, but... Um, Idaho was peaceful. Hmm. And I think Idaho was, I mean, digging in, but I think Idaho was kind of a a learning ground for me to understand the power of peaceful places and the power of space to think. Hmm. And something that Idaho champions is space. They do. They, do they have so much space. There's a reason there's so much wind is because there's nothing there to stop it. Right. And I remember one day I... Um, I just wanted to see how far I could walk. I'd never, like, <laughs> I'd never... Um, it's always a good idea. It's always a good <laughs> Sounds idea. Sounds like me seeing how far I can push my chair until I collapse. <laughs> well, kind of. I did, and it was awful. Uh, and, I mean, there. Eight, eight yeah. and a half miles uphill. Wait, really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, I went to Bridalville Falls from my house. Are you serious? And then did you go? Did you have someone to pick you? Like oh, there's no way I could have well, made no, it back. Because it's I all downhill from there. I got a phone call from, from Troy, there. and he's like, "Could you pick up Hayden? He's stuck." <laughs> I was like, "I'm at work. <laughs> I'm fixing the router for my brother." <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh, yes. Um, okay, yes, exactly. And, and and so I wanted to know how far I could walk, and um, I left my I my phone died. I had an iPhone five at the time. I actually just got. Upgraded from I the five that. about two months ago. It's true. Um, yeah, you I skipped it. seven generations. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> about time. You live and you learn. I, uh, and I'd go back to a five in a second. Same. Who needs the camera? Who needs the battery? It just leaves you with less of a phone. It's true. We don't need more of less one. Less stillness. Uh, exactly. So my phone died about ten minutes into the walk. Um, fully charged. <laughs> um, no, I'm sure it was about an hour. Uh, but I went walking in the back fields, the mm. potato fields. And those, that's, uh, that's, I hope the potato fields are like a holy place for a lot of people. Cause yeah. they're definitely a holy place for me. And, um, I remember I was just walking one day and the vast amount of stillness. And, um, I think that taught me a lot about life now. Hmm. And I walked that entire day and I got home. I left at about seven in the morning, got home at about five. I mean, not the entire day, but, mm-hmm. and it just kind of taught me the power of peace and not that anything profound happened in those. I don't even know how many hours that is, but 70 to 10 hours. Yeah. Seven to 50. Yeah. Um, it's more anyway. In that span of time, nothing taught, nothing was new. Nothing taught me anything. Mm. But I do believe that in that period of time, I learned the byproduct of moments of silence is moments of revelation, moments of learning. And the more room you carve out in your mind, the more space you have to fill with good things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's, that's kind of where I am now because of the Rex effect. Mm. Um, no, but Rex, Rexburg taught me the power of being still the power of being disconnected. Um, but more than anything, what I've learned recently, which is kind of how I live my life, and this has been another degree turn, mm. um, is learning how to catch anxiety. Mm. Because I've lived, I lived through a season of depression on my mission, and I've had uh, seasons since then. Um, never clinical depression as that requires a span of time, but yeah, um, yeah I... 
yeah, something that I learned is how to catch anxiety. Hmm. And that that's been really important for me because uh, anyone that's played Settlers of Catan, <laughs> it's game. an important game. Great game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's always the little robber. Yeah. Yep. It's that little piece that goes to every spot and it's always somewhere. You can never take it off the board, it's always on the board. And I mean, I've played Settlers of Catan probably six times in my life before the age of 11, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I moved on to phase 10. Uh, no, but I, I feel like that's anxiety in my life at least. And I know that that's how it is in a lot of people's lives. The anxiety never leaves. Mm. It just changes locations. Yeah. It just changes what you're anxious about. And so those trigger points. Yeah. And so asking for relief from anxiety, I learned really quick that I didn't need to ask for relief from anxiety. I needed to learn how to catch my anxiety. Yeah. So that I had control and so that I had power Mm. um, and that I had choice because what's power but choice yeah and so for me that's that's what's been the game changer and how i live my life now so what does it look like to actually catch anxiety is it just noticing mm-hmm. it what's your take on that so i'll use uh in the last 20 minutes hmm. i i'm so afraid of the uh, the anxiety it's always in my chest my yeah. anxiety is from my throat like to the middle of my sternum hmm is my anxiety it's like it's home base and for me it's oh no what if i said that what if that's misinterpreted what if someone hears this and misinterprets this so Mm -hmm. it's like this running dialogue right yeah you always have two people in your head (laughs) Uh, at least i do um and it's instead of because like uh catching anxiety is like catching a soccer ball you stiffen up your body, it bounces off. It's really painful, especially if it's to your head. Um, but <laughs> Speaking from experience? Yeah, speaking from a lot of experience. Oh, um, I was goalie for a while, and that was a lot of headshots. No, but... Um, <laughs> different headshots. Yeah, different yeah, headshots, sorry, yeah. Sorry, Jordan, Jordan, sorry. PTSD. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, and so... Um, but if, you're, if you absorb the ball, uh, it's a whole it. different game. You're, you're practiced, you are a useful person on the field if you can absorb that ball. Hmm. If you let it bounce right off you, it's your teammate's problem. But if you absorb it, you have control. Hmm. You have mastery over it. And so for me, that's a absorbing anxiety. And so what it looks like is, oh no, someone's gonna mishear something I say and it's gonna put a rap- bad reputation on me. What if I can't get a job, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I treat it like the roommate. Um, there's this book, it's called The Untethered Soul. Um, Hayden, book. yep, you know just it. Finished it. Yeah. Did you? Did. Man, it made me a little anxious, so I had to stop halfway through. <laughs> so I was tired of analyzing my roommate. Yeah. But it's time to get back to it. it but is. I feel like I learned as much as I can learn at this point, and now I need to move forward with it. Sure. But what I learned about it is uh, the way your mind is, is it's, at least for me, my anxiety. This isn't necessarily exactly how it explains it, but my anxiety is like having a roommate. All of us have had the roommate that doesn't stop talking. I think I've been that roommate. I'm pretty sure I know I've been that roommate. I that live with stop one. Talking. That's, that's Monson. <laughs> and they have commentary on everything. It's uh, like nothing can come into this space without them having a commentary on it. And that's your mind. Yeah. That's not me. <laughs> Depends on what the situation is. I just talk a lot. But, <laughs> but imagine if you things. talked about everything, about the fly that came in the room, the color of the walls right now, the lights that are on the ceiling, the lights that aren't on on the ceiling, mm. Levi's pineapple hat, like had a comment on everything. Great hat, Levi. <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. It just never shuts up. Right. And so that's kind of how I treat my anxiety. Instead of Because think about it. What, if you hate the roommate, you have the most miserable semester. Mm. If you let them bounce off you every time, it is a miserable semester. But if you get to the point that you're like, I am here for this. Yeah, let's chat. It's like laughing at Jurassic Park. Uh, exactly. Mm. It's, exactly. It's, yes. The T-Rex, T-Rex, T-Rex effect. effect. The T-Rex effect. T-Rex effect. T-Rex burger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so um, that's, for me, how I absorb anxiety. It is mm. an old friend. It's someone that I'm really familiar with. It's someone that's in my mind that I just listen to it. And I'm like, oh, fancy seeing you here. Hmm. I noticed you showed up. I know you'll leave eventually, but I just need you to know you're welcome to stay. But I've got stuff to do, so at some point you'll probably go. Hmm. It's called, it's um, uh, one of the explanations for that. It's called ACT therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy. Hmm. And it's all about diffusion of thoughts. 
And you know it, you know. Yeah, the book talks a lot about, I think my biggest takeaway at least, if yeah. you don't mind me interrupting Oh, here, interrupt. I'm being the They have the visual of kind of cars driving by mm-hmm. and how you just have to imagine that each one of those cars mm-hmm. is a thought or mm-hmm. a feeling or an irritant. And I mean, we live right by a pretty busy street. It's and a, so the busiest I get to practice this at night all the time Anytime I have a thought, I'm, I just start listening for cars, and I pretend that each car is one of those thoughts. And as that car passes, mm. once I stop hearing it, I let go of that thought. doesn't mean I don't hear the thought or I don't hear the car, because you do. You can't ignore that until it becomes white noise. Mm. Yeah. You notice it, and then you let it go. But mm. as soon as you focus on it, then you can't stop focusing on it. It's Everyone's heard it, like, yeah. don't think of the white elephant, mm-hmm. right? That's all you're going to think about it. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. Yeah. And I think um, everyone has a, everyone has a different way of seeing it. I like how you use cars. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, mine is the car that's like running on fumes. Mm. Like imagine a highway or like a busy street of cars that like they're constantly like, what is it when like the engine like bucks back? Like just like, and like it's like like a stop and go, stop and go, stop and go because it's like trying to start and go, start and go. And that's how I feel my thoughts are. It's not a fluid. It's in. It's out. It's a, like it just like is it. <laughs> Can't quite get rid of it until it's gone. Until it's gone, and so it's a pretty slow process. And as you practice with it, though, it becomes the cars on the highway. Yeah. Hmm. And like anything with our minds, catching anxiety is all about practice. Yeah. And it's all about combining the growth mindset of saying, I'm not stuck being someone that's anxious all the time. Hmm. But it's interesting. For me, anxiety was such a thing of shame. And I, I'll still mm. get caught up in that because I hate being the person in the room that's worried. Yeah. But think about it. If you're the person that can own your anxiety, it's, oh, yeah, guys, I am really concerned that someone's going to misinterpret what I say. But it's here. It's a friend at this podcast, and it'll leave. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't, it takes away the power. Yeah. And that's what anxiety is, is power over people's lives. And the moment we decide to start practicing, catching anxiety, seeing it as an old friend, yeah. not hating it for the shame we feel, but instead recognizing that, oh, this is something I feel and this is something I can And then you can actually on. get help from it. Because if you just ignore it, that's like even worse. Mm-hmm. It's like if you had a needle in your leg, mm-hmm. like you can, you can deal with it, it's painful, it's annoying. But if someone's coming to hug you, like, you're not going to want to get too close, so you have to create a little boundary. Maybe you have kids and they start coming up to your legs. Like, you're going to have to put a cast around it or something. Yeah. So you start becoming imprisoned to your own self mm-hmm. because that needle's there. Mm-hmm. When all you got to do is pull it out, or at least know it's there, and then have someone else pull it out for you. Totally. Mm-hmm. But until then, like, you have to create less efficient and less effective ways to go about your life it's actually inconveniencing you when you think it's not. Mm-hmm. What gets the needle out for you? Like, what is that for you? Mm, that's tough. Because there's, like, a lot of things, obviously, mm-hmm. with being in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, didn't, didn't think about this question. I think, for me, the biggest needle that I would pull out, or the way that I do it, is just, not that I ignore it, but I I acknowledge it for enough time Mm -hmm. that I can then ignore it for more time. I don't let it bottle up. Interesting. Mm. It's it's like a pressure cooker, right? Mm -hmm. I like let the (laughs) air out slowly enough that I can be like, okay, we can close it up again. So it's never quite empty, but there's enough pressure in it that I can deal with it, and then I can let some out when the time is to move. But I love it that you are taking the action. Of course. To release Mm. that pressure. Yeah. And a lack of action makes it miserable. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to answer the question. Oh, yes. Sorry. I'm not one that has ever necessarily dealt with anything severe. Um, but I know – so I what I what I do in, in moments of, like, high anxiety or stress uh, – well, <laughs> in moments of high stress and anxiety mm-hmm. in, like, normal life things, I yep. just get angry. And then eventually I'll, like, hit something and I'll be chilling. Um, but uh, Or I'll just kind of snap and then kind of get to myself and be like, no, you're fine, bro, chill. Mm-hmm. Um, but – for example, one thing in, in which is my favorite thing to do, and I have so much stress and so much anxiety over, 
and I don't think neither of you guys know this, when it comes to public speaking, it is the hardest thing for me to do, but it is my favorite thing to do. And so every single time I'm going to give a speech, you guys have heard me speak at like church or in, in, in public settings. Yeah. You're nervous. Um, I get so, so nervous. What? Um, and I keep it cool, you know? Mm-hmm. I gotta, you know, gotta make sure everybody knows I'm just zoning it in. But what I do is I use the nerves and the fear. What you're saying with the whole throat down your heart thing, yeah. I feel that so much. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm preparing to speak, it's almost like the words aren't gonna come out. But I tell myself, I say this, nervousness this anxiety that i'm feeling it is just energy that i'm going to use to speak with power <laughs> and Trick so I, yourself yeah I'll, yeah i, I almost like use my mind He's to tricky like tell that, myself Jesus. <laughs> tricky like that <laughs> what's behind that door another door <laughs> hum for the will of people people you should definitely watch that movie um but uh, i use it as just fuel and i'll sit there and you guys probably haven't noticed this as well but like i'll sit there before and i'll close my eyes and i bounce my shoulders and I just think about it, and I'm like, this is nothing but just fuel that's going to make me speak with more power. Um, and then, not to hide myself up, yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. I'm good at speaking. It's my yes. favorite thing to do. And uh, it, it, it's just funny because a lot of people are like, oh, you seem so cool and collected. I said, believe me, brother, <laughs> I'm so nervous up there. But I love it, and so I found a way to be able to use, to recognize that mm-hmm. robber or to recognize that needle and, and, and pull it out. And yeah. so... That's kind of how I've looked at it, but it's cool to see from your perspective and from Hayden's perspective, just the different tactics. I was Different even, labels for the same thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was even talking with uh, Meals last night about this exact same thing, and she just talked about how just different, different things that she's done to recognize when it comes, to recognize when it appears just like you're saying. Yeah. And once you're able to recognize like, oh, this is not me, <laughs> because I think that's one of the biggest issues is that people think it's them. Yeah. And so like you're saying, they start to trap themselves, they start to feel more anxious, believe it or not, and, and, and it becomes this big ball of just anxiety and then eventually depression because you're like, I can't handle this, this is yeah. too much. But when you're able to ac- acknowledge that like, no, it's not me, Yeah. this is something that either it's chemical imbalances, either it's just I'm scared of something, but I need to acknowledge that this is okay, it's not me. And then I'm able to then, like you're saying, use that choice to be able to then move forward, get rid of the robber, move him somewhere else, get rid of the pin, open up the pressure, we'll, you know, let some of that pressure out. I just think it's so cool the way that that works. Mm-hmm. But for people who struggle with that, what would you say, I feel as if once you get to that point, you're able to then start to learn, mm-hmm. how do you get to that point? in your opinion, in your thoughts? First, I'd like to say that um, I love that we have all the same tactics. Mm. We name it something different. But I I think there's so much power in the human soul, in human resilience, in the ability to find something that works to survive happily. Mm. Because all these tactics are a way to be happier. And so I, I appreciate that. I can witness that in all three of us. And I'm a huge believer of that pursuit of happiness and that there's, it's always worth pursuing. Even if you're in the darkest place, it is always worth pursuing that because that's the point of life. The forefathers had it right. Like that's the point of life is to pursue happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would say for people at that point, something I want to bring up really quick because it is – a platform to bring it up and it's a lesser known subject but it's a form of anxiety it's a form of OCD and it's called scrupulosity scrupulosity mm-hmm. scrupulosity and it's some, scrupulosity yeah wow. um, and it's something I deal with and it's uh, very prevalent uh, it's the DSM uh, the Bible of social work of mm. diagnoses is called the DSM DSM 5 um, there's been four other versions. If you didn't put that together, <laughs> folks, <Got> it. <laughs> it took me a second. Um, no, but it's a religion with scrupulosity. It's a form of OCD. And it's this need to um, do everything perfectly because you're compensating for something. You're compensating for something greater in your life. And therefore, the things you can control, you control to a hyper level. Hmm. Your obsession, like for me, my obsession is to make sure I follow all the rules. Hmm. My compulsion is to tell an authority figure when I haven't. That's the obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. 
And so something I want to bring up, just because this is not a popular topic, but it is a very prevalent, the more people I talk to about it, it's more and more prevalent. Yeah. And I'm the last person to say put a label on it. I'm the last person to say we all need a diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But sometimes you will hear things and it resonates so strongly with you because you're like, wait, it's not just me. I think there's so much strength, not in labels, but in information. Mm. Yeah. And that sometimes labels are our gateways to information. I'm not a scrupulosity case, but I've learned a lot from the diagnosis of scrupulosity. Mm. So all that to say, um, back to your question mm. of how does someone get to that point? For me, it was far from alone. It was thousands, thousands of conversations, uh, probably a cumulative hundred therapy sessions um, I'm a huge believer in therapy. I'm a huge believer in friends. Right. And I'm fascinated um, doing therapy in the last couple years um, as an intern, a uh, social work intern, and being able to work with clients one-on-one -on -one as just with supervision. And it's one of the, uh, it's a huge privilege to be able to work with clients one-on-one. -on -one. And from the prison to more clinical work, I noticed that uh, the underlying factor was always what happened to them. Mm. It wasn't what was wrong with them, it's what had happened to them, which is from the book uh, by Dr. Perry and Oprah Winfrey that they just put out, which is incredible. I totally suggest it, What Happened to You? Um, and Dr. Perry's a child psychologist who wrote the book, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog, and that's also an incredible read mm. um, about childhood trauma and how it leads to later life effects. But all that to say, um, information and awareness is the greatest um, agent for change. Mm. And so someone that's in my spot, someone that is in a spot where they feel like they don't have a handle on anything, soak in information because information, um, anxiety can feel like you are in, I almost think of it as an oval office with no lights, with no doors, because the thing that always creeped me out about all the shows that have the oval office in it <laughs> is you can never find the door. <laughs> it's like flesh. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it kind of creeps me out. I'm like, what would I do in the dark if like the doorknob wasn't there? Like the door is flesh with the walls. Yeah. And that's, I feel like what anxiety feels like. It feels like it's a no out. It's a lose, lose. And information is the gateway to awareness. And awareness is the gateway to change. But mm. if you don't know what's happening to you, if you don't know why it's happening, if you don't have any smallest source of answer, I hate to say it, but I don't hate to say this. First, pray to find answers. Mm. That's what I've done in my life. I Nothing I can do can I attribute to a primary primary source like I can attribute it to God yeah and then what he's opened up for me are the right conversations the right professors the right therapists and if you're yeah. in a spot where you've gotten 10 wrong therapists in a row go for the 11th hmm. do not stop trying to find help and um, so I would say someone in my spot if you're religious pray about it if you're not Google it, try to, med like, try to find answers. Try to find information until you have found what it is that works for you. For Hayden, it's the needle analogy. For me, it's the little robber in Settlers of Catan. <laughs> for you, it's channeling the energy. We have hmm. three solutions to the same problem. And so I would say find the solution for you, but do not find it alone. Hmm. Um, make friends, even if you think those friends do not want to be your friends. You need connection because nothing thrives like anxiety when you're alone. Sucks to be it, alone. It, yes, exactly. Even if you think it's better, it, it never is. It, it never sucks. is. Yeah, it never is. It thrives. It, anxiety eats isolation. Well, it's what we tell ourselves. We're like, I'm gonna feel so much better if I'm just alone, not with people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the complete opposite. It's because yeah. you just, you want to feel sad. So you're like, I want to be alone. Come up with like a plan. Or you don't want anyone to see you in that state. Yeah. And that's something I really struggled with because, and still do. Mm. Uh, Monson, when you introduced me, you said, Emma's one of the most outgoing people I know. 
And I'm like, that's one half of the coin. (laughs) And then the other half of the coin is me consistently. Hayden taught me a lot about this. He's like, I never say no to things. When a social activity comes up, I say yes. He's like, and that was a game changer for me. Because I've started to say yes to things, even though you might not think so because of all those movie nights that I've said no to. But sleep is what I say yes to first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's what I would say. Get information. Um, If you are in a pit, Mm. there are three things you can do that are your baseline. And those, even today, um, I, I was anxious this morning, and I couldn't put a finger on it, so I made a little chart. On the y-axis, I put 1 to 10. Mm. On the x-axis, I put physical, spiritual, mental, diet, sleep. Mm. And I put a little dot on the axis, and I kind of made a little map, put my coordinates for where I was with each one. And I was bottoming out on like four out of the five. And I was like, oh, anxious makes sense. It's because you're a college student. Uh, graduated, Hayden, and I'm still dealing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's what I have to look forward to. Yeah. Um, no, so I would say if dang. you are not getting seven to eight hours of sleep, that's number one. What Go about down 11? A, that's a lot, <laughs> but I'm too not much. a sleep person. I don't know about an excess, but I know about too little, and it goes really fast. Wonderful. Um, you see, yeah. I'm, I'm not a morning guy. Or a nighttime guy. I'm an all-day, every-day kind of guy. So I can run off of four hours of sleep like a champ. But that's bad. <laughs> I and and I am the it. last person to say what's good or bad. Like but today, I will this say, morning, yeah. what am I on today? You're on like maybe three and a half, three, four hours? Yeah. <laughs> But, but, goodness, yeah, that's not to take away from what you said because what no, you said no. is great. I don't know no. how that works. I, I'll crash eventually. Um, I will crash eventually where I like, you know, after a couple of days I'll crash and then I realize it does affect me and it's bad. So it's best to just sleep. The nights are, I do sleep a lot. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) It's wonderful. Amazing feeling. Yeah. So I would just say sleep. Make sure your heart is elevated for 30 minutes a day due to physical activity, not due to any kind of anxiety. Um, anxiety does not count as exercise. Uh, Doesn't so burn s- calories. <laughs> oh, I'd love to know. I, I don't could, think so, maybe. or else I'd if be you like a sweating, stick. I guess. Um, and so I would say <laughs> you need sleep, you need to elevate your heart rate for 30 minutes a day, and you need your diet not to be crazy, but try to get just some solid foods, the less processed, and not even processed, the less takeout, the better. For me, it's just like with diet stuff, every time I've complained about like, <laughs> like whether I like wanting to get stronger or lose weight, it's like, oh, you know, I feel like I eat decently healthy, and then I pause and I look, and I'm like, yeah, I don't at all. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, decently healthy <laughs> no, is like sub-zero three times a week. Um, you know, a bag of chips, rice, exactly. It's like, yeah, I'm not that healthy of a person. I think everybody knows deep down what it takes (laughs) to to have a decent diet. Like, come on. Yeah. Internalize yourself a little bit. (laughs) Totally. Down. No, so that's my advice. I mean, it's all over the place, but those are the things that have worked for me. Yeah. And that are still working for me because I do them every day. And if I don't, I know the consequences are increased anxiety. You know, it's dope. You're going to be really, I'm just going to, I want to prophesy enough. <laughs> my name is Monson, but uh, oh I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just, just play it, just play it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm here to tell you right now, hopefully this hypes you up for the rest of your week, but what you're doing with social work and, and with any kind of therapy, you are going to excel extremely at it because you are what I call an obsessive um, in the sense of I don't know anybody else that when they're feeling strange busts out a Y and X access and writes it down. <laughs> but the people that are willing to do those things that seem a little strange and a little crazy, those are obsessives to me. Um, and obsessives are people that become, you know, in a sense obsessed with what they do, but it leads them to become better. It leads them to become greater. Um, that term, it partially comes from, I mentioned all of this all the time on the podcast, Kobe Bryant videos. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he was one of those people where randomest things. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, you know what? 
this is going to help me with my craft, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? He pulled out his X and Y chart, filled it out, you know? And so people, what I, the reason I, I'm saying all of this is because uh, we get so hyped up in the moment. Like during this podcast, I'm hyped up and I'm feeling pumped. I'm like, yeah, you know, we can take on the world anxiety. Like we got to take on anxiety, you know, like easy. Um, but we forget it shortly after. And I think that if you are really wanting to change, if you start doing things that are a little strange but that help you, that's what actually makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's the same thing like what we were saying with the whole diet situation. Deep down, you know. You know what you need to do. You yeah. know, you know. Me, I know I need to sleep more. That kind of stuff. Like hey, deep but that Costa Vida gift card. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps the on giving. The gift that literally keeps oh on giving. Oh, my yeah. gosh. We can don't talk get about that started. another day. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it, like, deep down you know, and so it's just a matter of taking that extra initiative to become a little bit obsessive. Mm-hmm. And in the process of that, that's kind of how you really overcome that small little hump that's at the beginning of every challenge or at the beginning of every trial. And once you do, just like where Emma's at now, where Hayden's at now, you're able to recognize the issue and then be able to take it on forward. But mark my words in this, you know, little prophecy here. If you don't get past that first hump by doing those things, that hump's just going to get a little bigger and bigger each time. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it'll just feel like too much. And so, as you all know, I'm a big fan of the Brobel in the book of Nike, chapter 1, verse 1, once again, just do it. That's kind of that whole mentality. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the book of Exodus, life must go on. (laughs) Listen, first off, it's in in Deuteronomy. (laughs) Or Hebrews. I can't remember how to get mixed up. Um, But... uh, Brophesians. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. done. But uh, anyway, original thing, you're going to do really good. So keep that up. Um, That, I believe, is all the time that we have for today. We have come to an end, but it was awesome. It was a dope discussion. Really fun. Emma, thank you for coming on the show. No tears. No tears. No tears. Thanks all for letting in. me be the roommate that was chatting the whole time. We all about it. We need it's that. a good break from Monson. It's either me or you, you know? It's either me or you. That's <laughs> usually what it is. Um, but uh, ladies and gents, thanks so much for staying tuned. Uh, next week is going to be really great, so pay attention to that too. Give this a listen and uh, share this. Share it. Share it to literally everybody you've ever freaking met because it's important. And your whole message, Emma, was life must go on. If you don't share it, Boom. you will have anxiety. <laughs> fear tactic. How do you feel about fear tactics? Last thing. Oh, so massively useful. Not. Bring out the olives. <laughs> have you seen that video? No. Yeah. <laughs> Bring out the olives. Lady's scared of olives, and so they do, like, shock therapy. Stop And, and he's like, don't she worry, don't worry. Bring out the olives. Exposure <laughs> therapy. Yeah, shame. How sad. That is bad. Anyways, that's anyway, a wrap. That's a that's wrap. That's a wrap. Kisses. Bye-bye. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.